0: Hi, everyone. I'm David Williams, president of strategy consulting firm Health Business Group and host of the Health Biz Podcast, a weekly show where I interview top healthcare leaders about their lives and careers. My guests today are wound healing entrepreneurs. They are co founders of BioSTEM Technologies. Jason Badashevsky is the CEO, and Andrew Van Verst is the COO. Welcome, Jason and Andrew, to the Health Biz Podcast.
1: Thanks, David, for having us on. We're excited for the opportunity. Appreciate it.
0: Sounds, uh, sounds very good. Well, I want to start uh, with the sort of childhood and upbringing and, and assuming that you didn't grow up all together, I'll do it uh, separately. So Jason, what was your childhood like? Any influences that have stuck with you through your career?
2: Yeah. Um, thanks, David, again, for having us uh, on the on the podcast today. Um, my childhood background is uh, I grew up, um, my parents were entrepreneurs uh, and I took the road of going through engineering college at the Milwaukee School of Engineering. Um, my, uh, background or my engineering degree is in mechanical engineering technology. So leveraging technology, i.e. computer science, uh, computer programming to solve conventional engineering, uh, problems. Um, I kind of parlayed that into, uh, initially out of college working in the, um, material science space, um, mostly on the metals side. So, uh, DOD projects, um, and, uh industrial projects, aerospace projects, uh, and really had a passion for material science and leveraging technology to solve material engineering problems. Um, and throughout that, prior to graduating college of things that nature, I actually met one of the other uh, founders, Andrew's father, uh, through racing, a passion that I started when I was young at five years old through go-karting, which drove me to being able to be a partner and work with Mazda Motorsports, uh, where I met Andrew's father. and That's kind of the connection, how we got together and leveraging my engineering background, material science background, as well as uh, uh, racing. And
0: our, our connection is how how some of the things got started here at Biostem. That sounds pretty cool. So what do you? Uh, what, what kind of cars are you racing these days? Uh, sadly, uh, 100%.
2: Uh, I'm 100% dedicated to Biostem. So okay. very limited free time uh, on prob- doing
0: racing, but I... It's It's probably like like in the. dream about it. It's in the investor documents. It's like you know, you have to stay below (laughs) seventy-five miles an hour, what do you what do you drive on the street then? uh a tesla so it's not, not even something fun so um yeah uh, tesla's uh, fun you know at least it's it's yeah. good because you can responsibly you can you can hit you know 60 miles an hour before anybody notices exactly. what happened that's nice and yeah, nice this and is quiet. this is true i have this one of those true. too somebody asked me today i was backing it up into a parking space and they'd never seen one before and is like what is that thing you know was that like a ufo or something you so you didn't back it so up it That <laughs> I could have done that. I could have done that, you know, but uh, I, I do miss that uh, Wankel engine or whatever they uh, used to have in the Mazdas, yeah, right? So was yeah, like a yeah. That was yeah, rotary really cool. engines. Yeah. yeah, RX-7s, RX-8s. Yeah, those are, those were pretty cool. Well, I, mean, I never had I had I never had one of those, but those were uh, those were fun. All right, Andrew, how about how about you? You're the racer now, is that right? Uh, I did I did a little <laughs> bit of racing,
1: not to the tune of what Jason mentioned, or or uh, okay. that my father was involved in. Obviously, that's a connection of how we met Jason through his mechanical engineering um, experience and, and working with Mazda. My father was introduced to him working or racing with Mazda as well, so that that's the connection there, but my background, you know, um, my father was an entrepreneur, had uh, a lot of different businesses, uh, you know, throughout my life and, um, my personal background, I went to college, uh, for a year, found out, you know, I, I wanted to join the military i all that always had that passion since high school. And, uh, I went into the Marine Corps. I was a CH 53 helicopter, flight line mechanic there. Um, so I, you know, Kind of how that ties in or where, where it led me to, to where we're at today, you know, a lot of my job is related on pre-flight, post-flight inspections, following standard operating procedures, all the things that, you know, require when you have someone's safety or military safety or, you know, pilot safety, crew safety involved um, from an inspection or maintenance standpoint. Um, But a lot of what I did, you know, while I was in was... Transitioning from our paper-based standard operating procedures to a tough book type standard operating procedure system, making sure all those changes were implemented properly, uh, as part of one of the one of the job tasks I had while I was in, and that transitioned really well into what we do now. Um, from a regulatory standpoint, you know we're obviously uh, have oversight from the FDA. We're accredited tissue bank by the American Association of Tissue Banks or AATB, so a lot of that experience from a quality-regulated uh, process type environment really parlayed into what we do here, uh, as far as is, you know, tissue processing. Um, but, you know, background and what what led me to here is the other part of your question is, you know, work ethic I think was instilled by my father, um, and a lot of other people, including the military personnel through boot camp training and things like that. But work ethic is something that's always stuck with me and uh And just, you know, making sure everything is 100% kosher and signed off properly. And as long as you follow the instructions, you don't have to worry about getting in trouble. So I think, you know, we're we're a very compliant company and and my background's helped us get there.
0: That sounds like the way to go. Well, we'll talk about tissues in a moment. I got one more Mazda story for you, though. So I was in uh, Japan one time in Hiroshima, where Mazda's headquartered. And and I met uh, Mark Fields at the time, who was running Mazda, later ran Ford. And... They have, uh, you know, they're a little tight on space in Japan, so they don't have individual offices. Everyone sort of sits around a, a you know, a table, a chairs, and and the difference is that Markster had like this big doily on it. You know, that's how you can know that was the, uh, that was the CEO. But it was an interesting space, and and the the folks that they really revered the most there, they had some old timers who could like you know, take an engine block and like bang out the, uh, like bang it out without any tools or anything and get like a perfect, uh, perfect fit. Those are, I think those guys have all died off by now, but that was, that was the, that that's who they were. Yeah.
1: Machines are taking over
0: now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, those darn machines, but in any case, so, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, so I got your sort of origin story, how you met and then all that. Um, but why found this company? I mean, was there, what was the unmet need that you wanted to try to solve for?
1: Yeah, honestly, or I guess, actually, you know, it was, it was a met need that I guess led us into this company. My father has been through, uh, quite a bit of, uh, cancer bouts and most recently, uh, I guess his second most recent cancer bout was in 2010, 2011, where we had ventured over to Stockholm, Sweden to do some, uh, kind of clinical type study, um. Treatments. It was a gamma laser knife where he had gray matter radiation on his head. After that, he had some stroke like symptoms of slight paralysis on the left side of his body, impaired speech, and things. So, what we were doing is trying to find a way to help heal him back from a quality of life standpoint. You know, he was still alive and well, um, you know, besides still having to deal with the cancer and treatments like that. But how does he benefit from a quality of life and maintain a quality of life standpoint? Um, so what we did was we started researching regenerative medicine, and this was a hot topic at the time, especially back then, uh, stem cells was a hot topic. So we started looking into it and we found a regenerative medicine company that did medical tourism out of Dominican Republic and Mexico in Guadalajara, and met with the scientists, met with the doctors, got comfortable enough to go do a treatment for my father, um, based on his success and... You know, just seeing real-world example firsthand, the benefits he had from a quality of life standpoint, we knew we were passionate about it. Um, So that's really what started and catalyzed the whole starting of the company. Um, The company that we were introduced to was going through some capital raising and things like that. They were trying to restructure a little bit. um, And the opportunity that kind of opened up was uh, we reached out to Jason, knew his background. Uh, We knew, liked, and trusted Jason and, and knew he was someone that we, trust to start a business with and have the best interest in mind um and we purchased the controlling interest and have developed it since then since 2014 in august when we uh when we took it over
0: sounds good well i know you know it's a kind of a miraculous type of technology but uh it's difficult to make a strong business out of it which i think is one of the reasons why you probably um you know, was in a position to, to purchase it in the in the first place because it's just a challenge. The technology is hard enough, and the business is is tough too. What what have been some of the milestones for the company since uh, since 2014? What what have you gone through? What are, what are some of the things you've achieved what are, what are some of the pitfalls that you've hit? Yeah. So I'll
1: start with pitfalls. I think initially we were, uh, I'd say maybe overzealous in, in what we could accomplish. So we had a few horses in the race <laughs> and, uh, we were doing API repackaging. So repackaging pharmaceutical ingredients for, you know, smaller compounding pharmacies, we started venturing into reformulation or 505 B2 drugs, uh, changing the delivery mechanism of those drugs. So it, as far as a pitfall, it was a lack of focus. The benefit and positive side of that, looking at the glass half full, was that we got a lot of experience in a regulated industry before we ventured into this tissue space. So we had DEA licenses, we had FDA licenses, inspections, things like that, that gained us the experience to apply the pharmaceutical type manufacturing and processes, you know, the the GMP or good manufacturing practices, compliantly to the tissue arena, which was something that when we entered into the tissue space was somewhat lacking. Um, There was issues with companies producing products and not testing them or releasing them before they were tested. So knowing all of those processes and having gone through it for a few years before we entered into this market in 2018, um, really gained us that experience. So it was, it was a a positive and a negative at the same time. Um, I think, you know, one of the, the positives was going back to the same point is establishing focus in 2018 in the tissue space. You mentioned you know it's it's somewhat of a hard business and when you talk about medical tourism i would completely agree with you trying to get you know patients comfortable with going to a another country to have a treatment that's not approved in the u.s uh was something we realized pretty quickly that's why we ventured into those other pharmaceutical type products but with the uh you know public health and safety act uh the, the specific section we're under of tissue allographs being a product that was allowed in the u.s um it really opened up an opportunity for us to be involved in regenerative medicine here and build a great business that has a lot of um potential for it inside the us and you can see that from you know other competitive companies that are you know the amount of revenue they're doing the amount of uh, even beyond that the amount of lives they're changing is, is really the topic you know we like to promote you know this is the tissue we take is otherwise medical discarded waste and it can go to help heal a patient's foot ankle anything like that um any type of open wound and uh, it, it becomes, you know, a benefit to both parties.
0: Jason, what have you uh, found since being involved in the company? Did you did you get what you were uh, thought you were signing up for, or something entirely <laughs> different? <laughs> um, you know, I think Andrew hit the nail on the head. You know, in the in the
2: early years, we definitely were uh, swimming upstream uh, and trying to find the path of which way we wanted to go. But I think the opportunity to to like Andrew mentioned, you know, really dive in and get um intimate with the knowledge of FDA regulatory environment, getting DEA licenses, working through those processes really helped us kind of cut our teeth on what we wanted to how to navigate those paths at the same time, what good looks like, right? Um, and what we did find is is that in 2000 you know in 2008 2018 when we made the pivot to tissue allographs is that there was a lack of, of call it real tight regulatory uh, FDA, Mantra uh, in this space, and it gave us an opportunity to really kind of apply what we learned over the first, you know, three to four years, and, and deploy that into the tissue space. Um, and I think what you know, Andrew highlighted too, is is really the opportunity. You know, not only we get to work and, and provide products that change people's lives on, on the output side, uh, using utilizing our graft on patients with diabetic foot ulcers, pressure ulcers, and venous ulcers. But also having the opportunity to work with gracious donors that actually donate this tissue from full-term uh, births and, and showing that kind of full circle, which otherwise would be medical waste, the opportunity to utilize that tissue for, for really great outcomes for, for patients. Um, you know, a lot, of them, a lot of the patients uh, that we're uh, affecting are, are patients that are Medicare beneficiaries, you know, folks that are 65 and older, you know, maybe even their grandparents, for example. So great,
0: great full circle uh, opportunity, you know, from birth to, to, you know, at the end of years of your life. Yeah, you mentioned that the, you know, the FDA pathways maybe are a little unclear when you got started. What, what is the development path now for the sector that you're working with? Is it, is it well defined and what, what is development like compared to, let's say, a more traditional pharmaceutical
1: product, which your listeners might be more familiar with? Yeah, i a ph- pharmaceutical product is obviously like a chem- uh, you know, mainly like a, a chemical entity or something that you're developing to target a specific thing that you're not aware of what the potential side effects or detriments are of that chemical. So there's a, a longer development process, safety studies, uh, dose level toxicity studies, things like that that are involved. This, the, the these tissue allographs are regulated the, similarly to organ transplants, and any kind of transplant tissue, whether it be an organ or tissue. And the process or development pathway is, uh, I'd say, you know, a little bit minimized because you're using a human biologic tissue going into another human. Um, You're not using, for instance, there's other products on the market that use fish uh, skin or uh, bovine material or uh, things from pig tissue. Um, that requires a lot more testing just with the unknown, since you're applying it from human to human, um, you know, amniotic tissue, birth tissue in general has been used since the early 1900s, if not before that. So the safety and toxicity level data, you know, there's no issues with it and it's been established for a long time. So what we're required to do, I guess, in another way to answer your question, it might be a little bit outside, but what we're required to do is make sure the tissue is free of any transmission uh, or potential transmission of communicable diseases. And we do social, we have a procurement agency actually who collects the tissue, but they do social medical history screening on the patient. And each tissue is actually sent off for sampling and testing to verify all that information prior to us getting it. So that's our our process in a really high level way is to make sure all the tissue we provide is free of what's called RC dads, relevant communicable diseases and disease agents.
0: Got it. So where do you stand uh, in terms of the commercial life of the company? Do you have products on the market? What's in, what's in development? And you know, what's the, what's the current stage of the, of the entity?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, in um, late 2020, kind of the end of the pandemic, we were awarded a Q code for reimbursement through Medicare. And that's really what propelled 2021 uh, into 2022 Uh is, is the ability to actually get, uh, coverage through Medicare on our products. Um, and our initial line of products, Vendage or Vendage, uh, a single layer Amnion product was the w- one that was originally issued the first Q code. Um, we anticipate getting an additional Q code for Vendage AC, which is an Amnion Corion or two layers of, of, of the product. Um, in, in the beginning of the, uh, first quarter of this year, uh, which will add access, uh, for our, our, product line into that Medicare space. Um, we also were able to actually get on a federal supply schedule, uh, through the VA. So distribution through the VA, um, all of these things kind of leading up to, you know, maximizing distribution. And one of our initiatives this year is to really grow that, that Salesforce present grow our W2, uh, Salesforce, uh, with, uh, up to about 25 members, uh, servicing throughout the United States um, and targeting private practice uh, clinicians as well as into the surgical setting um, in uh, ASCs uh, and providing this product not only for diabetic foot ulcers, pressure ulcers, and venous ulcers, but other surgical applications for these products. Um, And, you know, over the last few years, we've seen some tremendous growth on our revenue side, 30 to 40% growth rate year over year. And we're anticipating, you know, continuing that growth rate mantra as we, um, you know, look forward into 2023.
0: That sounds good. So now as you look beyond 2023, let's say, pick your time frame, three years, five years, 10 years, where do you see the company? You know, what's going to be possible? Is just going to be sort of bigger and better, more of the same, or new things, uh, you know, above and beyond what you're doing today?
2: Yeah, I think, I think our opportunity is, you know, to continue to grow our product portfolio. Obviously, uh, right now, you know, we're focused on wound care, foot and ankle um, aspects, but, you know, moving outside of that, like I mentioned earlier, into the surgical setting, uh, growing product portfolio into that surgical setting, whether it be, you know, in, in the nerve space, um, whether it be in the plastic space, um, looking at potential Acquisitions are targets that help complement our current pro- product portfolio. So as our sales representatives um, uh, walk into a practice, they have an opportunity to not only provide tissue products, but also other products that help support that private practice clinic. Um, and then, you know, at, hopefully as we continue to grow and, and look at the regulatory environment, work on, you know, you know, more longer term goals uh, on the product side, you know, looking at ways to either... Uh, leverage
0: 510k device routes or DLA routes uh, for products in the future. Good. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Now, my last question is about, is a hobby related thing. Now, I know you don't have time for racing cars or at least to tell the <laughs> investors about it, but uh, in terms of um, any books that you've read uh, lately or maybe in, in the past, do you have any books that you might recommend? I'll ask each one of you in turn.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would recommend, and i read uh, last year, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, uh, something Jason and I both read, um, you know, just to, especially with a entrepreneurial or startup type environment, getting a company off the ground and running, it's important to, you know, have a, have a, a mentality of 100% ownership on everything you do and not looking for blame or passing blame anyway. Any which way you can, you know, at the end of the day, it's got to get done. So how do we come together as a team to accomplish those goals? Uh, whether it seems like a mountain you got to climb or not, you know, take the elephant one bite at a time and, and, and get it done. That, that's one of the most influential books I've, I've read recently.
2: Yeah, I think to answer that question, uh, one book that both Andrew and I uh, probably have read two or three times at this point uh, is by Mark Andreessen, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Uh, it really, you know, is a true to the core uh, being an entrepreneur and, and making those hard decisions and when to make those hard decisions and and really what do you learn from that and and how do you continue to grow your business and and build upon um, some of those hard decisions and, and identifying the right people to put in places as you as you grow your business so um, I, I really truly love the book I think it it, it it's probably one of the most uh, business forward books that I've read that actually, truly touches on being an entrepreneur and making tough decisions.
0: You know, I, I, uh, that that book is like the theme book. I, sh- I should give it as like the tagline for the Health Biz Podcast because uh, that is the most commonly recommended book. And I finally did uh, I did read it. And it's, you know, one of the reasons entrepreneurs identify with it is, you know, mostly what you read about and hear about is all these, you know, success stories and all the heroics. And first of all, a lot of businesses fail, but secondly, the successful yeah. ones have near-death experiences uh, you know, r- routinely. And so that, that is a tale that I think really resonates with people that are, uh, uh, that are in it. So that, that's a good one, I would, I would agree. Well, I wanna say uh, thank you today to my guests, both co-founders of BioStem Technologies. We've been talking about regenerative medicine, wound healing, CEO, Jason Matashevsky, and the COO, Andrew Van Verst. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Biz Podcast.
1: Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.